Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. I have been enjoying walking through the Gospel of Matthew with each of you. It's been an uh, amazing um, six months, and um, I'm thankful for all the feedback that has been uh, coming to me and uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, listeners, and uh, I appreciate every one of you for tuning in. Um, uh, God's doing big things. God's doing God's doing big things, and um, it's an honor to just be a part of it. Um, uh, just thankful for all the uh, feedback over the past uh, several months. Literally, in about three weeks, we'll hit a year of doing the Bible centered podcast, Bible Center with Victor Jackson podcast, and uh, it is going around the world, um, Spotify uh, continues to sponsor our podcast every month, um, not only that, uh, there have been different opportunities with uh, world-renowned uh, apps like iPray millions and millions of listeners uh, that also wanted to uh, use the content from Bible Center with Victor Jackson. Uh, that offer is still on the table. I'm not, I'm not considering it right now. That's something that we're still praying about. But it just lets you know the impact of going through the Word of God and the hunger uh, that is out there. And so I want to appreciate each and every one of your uh, support with that. Let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 21 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 18. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon believes only and said unto it let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forward forever and presently the fig tree withered away when the disciples saw it they marveled saying how soon is the fig tree withered away jesus answered and said unto them verily i say unto you if you have faith and doubt not you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching, and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned within themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye then not believe him? 
But if we say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise, and answered and said, I go. He answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Again, Matthew's writing to the Jews to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ, Savior, not just of the Jews, but of the world. And sometimes close proximity breeds blindness. And the Jews are around Jesus all the time, but they do not recognize who he is. Rather, he makes the confession that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him that he has been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And that was his first trial message. And after his trial message, they immediately tried to kill him. They wanted to throw him off the cliff. But while that's happening, Gentiles are traveling 500 to 800 miles to come and hear him speak. And when he comes into... Jerusalem for his triumphal entry. Uh, people are saying, Hosanna in the highest, oh, save, oh, save. Uh, they are confessing him to be the Messiah, but those that study the law um, cannot process um, who he is or his greatness. When he comes to Jerusalem, he comes and he brings a certain judgment. Remember, we are hastening to the cross so uh, there will be some sobering thoughts to reflect upon in the next few weeks. It says that in the morning he returned into the city and he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree withered away. Now, because of the disciples' insight, verse 20, it says, when they saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? So they're seeing this as a miracle, not understanding the full context of what was happening, uh, because this, uh, this was a judgment. Uh, this was a judgment against Jerusalem. Because he was hungry, and he came to this fig tree, and when a fig tree would be about to have ripe fruit, uh, the Bible says that when he came to this time of the fig tree, 
that he found nothing on it. Now, when a fig tree is about to have ripe fruit, one of the big things that happens is it gets a lot of leaves on it. When the figs are ripened, one of the signs of the fig about to be ripe is it gets a lot of leaves. So a lot of leaves means that there's the appearance of there's supposed to be some fruit somewhere. Listen to this. Not just ripe fruit. There should even be unripe fruit on that fig tree. When there's a lot of leaves, at bare minimum, if the figs aren't ripe, it's supposed to have unripe figs. But he comes to this fig tree with all of these leaves, and he doesn't even find unripe figs. There's nothing on it. And this is what he's showing. Notice how Matthew twins this with him being in Jerusalem. He's saying, Jerusalem, you guys have the appearance of having fruit. You have a bunch of leaves on you. But when I'm hungry and I'm feeling through for any type of fruit, ripe or unripe figs, there's nothing on you. And, and this is what's happening to Jerusalem. They have the appearance of being lovers of the law, lovers of God, lovers of this, lovers of that. But when Jesus starts feeling around, there's nothing. There's nothing there. And the judgment is that there should be something there. Jesus was with them for over three years at this point. And there's no sign of progress. And when there's no sign of progress, he said, you're cursed. Wither up. There is a command in the kingdom that there has to be growth. There has to be growth. Some sign of progress. God's not even asking to have ripe fruit. He said, can you at least have some unripe fruit? He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking for some type of progress. If you have the same attitude, if you've been living for God and you have the same attitude that you had two years ago or three years ago, what's going on? There ought to be some progress. You see, the kingdom, it's good in, in, in order to start small. To start small, it's as a grain of mustard seed. The kingdom is as a grain of mustard seed. Now, it's a grain of mustard seed, but if you come back and check on that mustard seed in seven years, and it hasn't become a tree or a plant yet. In seven years, it's still a seed. It's cursed. Because it defies the command of fruitfulness. It defies the command of growth. To start small, biblical. To stay small, dysfunctional.
So, so if there is no progress, we got to ask, what is hindering the progress? And what he did with his fig tree is he cursed it. Now, no one likes to talk about curses. In Genesis 17, God told Abraham, he says, those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. Now, when you look at the Hebrew word for curse, it's two different Hebrew words for each curse. He said, those that curse you, that's one Hebrew word, I will curse, that's another Hebrew word. When you look at the words and their meanings, what it says is, those who take you lightly, I will curse. And that word curse means to create a barrier of progress, a barrier to your progress. When, when he says, when you're cursed, that means I'm putting a wall up and you cannot grow beyond that wall. That's what it means to be cursed. To be cursed means you can't grow. My goodness, I'm helping somebody here already. It's a curse when you can't grow. And he says that some people are cursed because of who they're taking lightly. My goodness. He said, Abraham, anybody that takes you lightly, I'm creating a barrier to their growth and to their progress. I'm saying, halt! What they say in the modern day vernacular, you better put some respect on his name. <laughs> Somebody better put some respect on Abraham's name. Now we see it. This thing has leaves, and no one's checking on it. They're like, oh, look, nice fig tree. Look at all these leaves. Look at all these leaves. It's the appearance of progress. It's the behavior modification of progress. But Jesus is saying, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? He says, okay, you're not going to produce fruit. You're cursed. And the Bible says that thing withered up. He's coming to Jerusalem looking for progress, and there's no progress. He's been there three years. The Pharisees still want to kill him. The chief priests still want to hurt him. The scribes still want to hurt him. Judas is still wanting to betray him. What? Three years? And you're seeing blinded eyes open, deaf ears come unstopped, lives being changed, the multitudes being fed, 4,000 being fed, 5,000 being fed besides women and children. They're seeing the lame walk. They're seeing lepers cleansed. They're seeing all this in three years, and there's no fruit? He said, you're cursed. It's a prophecy of the judgment that's coming to Jerusalem in A.D. 70, whenever Rome burns the whole city down. He said, listen, you had an opportunity. You didn't take advantage of it. In Luke 19, it talks about that when he beheld the city, he wept over it. He said, if only you would have known the things that I had for you. He said, but now they're hid from your eyes. So the days are going to come about you. He said, 
where the stones, you know, one stone's not going to be left upon another. He said, why is all this judgment happening? Look what he says. Because you knew not the time of your visitation. He said, the judgment is coming because you didn't know the time of your visitation. That word visitation, it literally means inspection. You didn't know the time of your inspection. It literally means examination. You did not understand that I came to examine. Where's the fruit at? You got by all off of leaves, but now God's feeling around like, hey, man, where's the fruit at? Knew not the time of your visitation. God is inspecting some things in his church right now. He's inspecting some things in the chosen people of God right now. And the question is, where's the fruit? And that's the title of this message, where do we grow from here? There's got to be growth somewhere. There's got to be progress, guys. When you receive a child, when, when a child is born and you put that child in your arms, it is a miracle moment. Child born, eight pounds, beautiful. Let me tell you something. You put that child in your arms, you hold it, you just rejoice and you thank God. But let me tell you something. If that child is not gaining weight or any growth, and it's the same size in four months, that miracle just became concerning. Because we rejoice how you started, but if there's no growth, where's the curse at? What's, what's happening in? What sickness? What is getting, what is, what is hindering the growth or the development? We become concerned. And when things are, you ought to be always growing in your life for God. You, gotta, you should be always progressing in your walk with God. But he comes to Jerusalem, found nothing on it, cursed the fig tree. And the disciples don't understand. They, they just see it withered away. They're like, wow, this is a miracle. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So Jesus doesn't even give the explanation of why he did it to the fig tree because the disciples didn't have the full revelation of what was going on. So he just used it as a prayer example saying, listen, you pray if you believe anything is possible. Verse 23, and when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the temple came unto him as he was teaching and said, by what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? Now, you have to recognize this. Remember, he just cleansed the temple. Then he left them. So he's hoping, 
Oh, my goodness. He's hoping that the judgment he put on the temple would make people sensitive. Would make people sensitive to his presence. But when he comes back to Jerusalem, he sees the fig tree still hasn't produced fruit. He curses it. And when he came back to the temple, the chief priests and the elders are questioning him, by what authority do you do these things? You know what? There comes a place that you got to stop talking and, you, and, and there has to be action. These people saw him cleanse the temple. They saw all these miracles and they're still not getting it. You know, you know somehow you have fallen astray if two things can't persuade you. Miraculous uh, miracles and judgment. If those two things can't get you to move, you're backslid. You're backslid. They're still, they're, they don't get it. He says, by what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned within themselves and said, if we shall say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe in him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. These people are so captive by their, their peers and their surroundings and the fear of people. They can't make any proper confession. That's what it said in John. It said that many of the Pharisees believed in him but they would not confess him openly because they feared the people. The fear of the people can sabotage your relationship with God. It can sabotage your relationship with Jesus. So they couldn't even answer him. We can't even say it's from heaven or from men. You're stuck in between, and that's the whole problem. You're in the gray. You're living in the gray area. But what think you? A certain man had two sons. Now, I want you to catch this. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. I want you to catch this. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. What he's doing in this parable of the two sons is he's showing that the first son says, I'm not going to do the work in the vineyard. But he repented later and went. He's speaking to the publicans and the harlots and the sinners of the community that when he first came and said, obey, they said, I'm not going to do it. But afterwards, at the repenting of John, at the preaching of John the Baptist, they repented and went. The second son says, I'll go, sir. He's speaking of now the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They said, we're going to obey God. We're going to listen. He, he said, I go, sir, and went not. They didn't obey. So he asked them, verse 31, With, which of the two did the will of the Father? They said unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. 
Wow. Those that initially resisted him but later repented, they're going into the kingdom of heaven. But those that says, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and they don't do it, says it's not happening. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Hmm. Says, listen, this first son said, I'm not going, I'm not doing the will of God, but later repented and went. One says, I, I will love you forever, God. I will obey your word. And they didn't obey. This is the conflict that's happening. And this judgment is just increasing. I mean, we got to go into Matthew 20. I mean, you're going to see this conflict con continue for the next few chapters. You're going to see it in chapter 23 and chapter 24 with the end times and chapter 25 and chapter 26. It's going to culminate in chapter 26 where uh, they betray and, and, and arrest him. Um, I mean, this is hastening to the cross, so it's going to be uh, a challenge. A challenging few chapters, but uh, hopefully it, it addresses something in us where we come to God, where we grow. The, the voice of a preacher gets aggravating when you refuse to move. Uh, uh, I'm going to be an adjutant because I'm not going to compromise the word or compromise the doctrine. People sometimes resist you, wanting you to just kind of back off and, and kind of compromise what you're saying. But with the same force that they resist the preacher is the same anointing God gives the preacher to push back. And... We can't back off on biblical principles. We just can't we just can't back off on it. There has to be growth. There has to be growth. There has to be growth. I don't want to just have leaves on my ministry. I want to have fruit. And Paul said it this way. He said, every man's work is going to be tried by fire. How do you handle crisis? Let's see how much fruit you have. How do you handle crisis? We'll see where the fruit is. So the challenge is to, su to submit ourselves to God and produce. Don't say what you're going to do. Just do it. To talk is just leaves. To walk, that's the fruit. There's a whole lot of talk about I love God and being close to God and everything like that, but now Jesus is in a point where he's, he's looking around like, where's the fruit at? Where's the fruit of this loyalty? Where's the fruit of this allegiance? Where's the fruit of this love? Where's the fruit? You're saying, a, you're talking a good game. 
But he said, for three years, I've not seen any progress. And I love the quote where it says, the, the, the greatest preachers cannot help a life that is uncommitted to God. That is a true statement. That is a true statement. That is a true statement. Jesus is the the greatest. And look look where that look where that gets him. Gets him on a cross. Greatness never bypasses the cross. Greatness never bypasses betrayal. Greatness never bypasses misunderstandings or misconceptions. It's a part of the journey. But Jerusalem is going to get judged, and he's prophesying of the judgment that's coming in A.D. 70. It's coming. They're, they're burning down the temple. The destruction of that temple in A.D. 70, when you go to, um, there's remnants of that temple in Jerusalem today. Now it's the wailing wall. It was the place of worship became a place of crying. Now, now we cry over what was, but, but they had an opportunity. Now, it's a, now, now it was supposed to be a house of prayer. Now, now we're just... Stuck praying on the outside. God have mercy. I don't ever want to take for granted his presence. We've got to grow. We have to grow. You have to have some type of progress. Yield yourself unto God. There has to be progress. Just a, a little step. I mean, it doesn't even have to be ripe. Just something. God's saying, just give me something. I'm not even asking for it to be right because the Bible says later that the time of figs was not yet, meaning it wasn't supposed to be ripe, but there's supposed to be something. I got a calling. I got a ministry. I got this. I got that. I believe. I got a dream. I got a purpose. I got this. I got that. Just Can, can we just have a, an unripe fig? that shows us that you're headed in that direction? Just something. Where do we grow from here? We have to grow. It's the blessing of God to be fruitful and multiply. That's the blessing on man. Be fruitful and multiply. Everything about us is supposed to grow. If you've been born again of the water and of the spirit, I thank God for that. But if that's your only testimony about what God did in the past, it's not sufficient. You got to have a testimony about what's going to happen in the future.
Can you imagine in your physical life, you being, you know, in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, and people ask you, what has God done for you? And the first thing that you do is you reach into your wallet and you pull out a picture of you as a baby. Say, I was born. I was born. I was born. Three years later, I was born. Five years later, I was born. And people are looking at you like, yeah, I can see that. Is there anything else? That's how we are. I was born again. I was born again. I was born again. I was born again. Wonderful. It's a great miracle to be born again of the water and the spirit. Thank God for that. But have you grown since you've been born? Anything else? Do you love, do you have the fruit of the spirit? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Is there joy? Is there temperance? Is there long suffering? Are you bearing any fruit? Any fruit of the spirit? That's what God's looking for. I'm glad you're saved, but where's the fruit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Is that anywhere in your life? I was born, I was born, I was born, I was born. Where is the fruit? Have you forgiven? Are you walking in sanctification? Have you cast aside the bitterness? Have, have you cast aside the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings? Have you cast away these things? The Bible says envy is a work of the flesh. Hatred is a work of the flesh. Strife is a work of the flesh. Heresy is a work of the flesh. Are, are you progressing? Are you progressing? Where do we grow from here? The blessing of God is to grow. The blessing of God is to grow. The blessing of God is to grow. In some ways, Adam was at a disadvantage. 
Because when he's born, he's born as a full-grown man. He didn't have the pleasure of learning how to walk, learn how to crawl, learning how to speak. He didn't have the blessing of learning to stand on his own for the first time. Didn't have the blessing of trying to run and falling and scraping his knee on the dirt, the soil of the earth. Didn't have the blessing of watching his mind develop where he is processing things in a new way. Didn't have the blessing of going through the adolescent period and maturing properly. He's just a full-grown man when he's born. Man became a living soul. There's a blessing in, in growing up. Paul said, when I was a child, I speak as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, and you can see him alluding to a Roman custom that children wore children clothes, but there came a time where they put away their child clothes and they put on the, the toga. They put on the toga as a Roman, and it was a sign that you're now an adult. And Paul was saying, when I came of age, I put away childish things. It's time to get some new garments. It's time to grow up. It's time. It's time to grow. Jerusalem. You, you've been with them for, for three years. You watched miracles and you watched the judgment in the temple and you still got questions. <laughs> Lesson number one, there are people that no matter how much success you have, you'll never convince them because it's something in their heart, not yours. I'm delivering somebody right now. You ever try to do something for somebody? And be like, I love you, I love you, and you do this, and you do that, and you do that, and they still are unconvinced because that, that's their heart. It has nothing to do with you. Move on. There's nothing to do with you. Something in their heart, something, so there's a barrier somewhere. There's, there's a curse somewhere. There's a hindrance somewhere that they have to deal with. But don't make yourself look internally as if you're less than what God has created you to be. Move on. Move on. Move on. Jesus was doing so much stuff, and the people were still questioning, still doubting, still conspiring, still in the back rooms trying to destroy them, still doing all of that. And Jesus had done everything. My man fulfilled over, over 500 prophecies in his lifetime. And look, look, look at the Pharisees still like, yeah, I don't know. My man's walking on water. They still don't get it. They're watching lepers be cleansed. Still don't get it. There are people in your life that are committed 
to not recognizing God's hand on your life. Don't do what you do for the approval of people, the approval of peers, approval of anybody else. Do it to please God. This is hastening to the judgment of Jerusalem. He's going to give the parable of the vineyard. It gets... Uh, we're going to go into the parable of the vineyard, continuing with this same thought. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But what's the lesson? Grow. Grow in prayer. Grow in the word. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. Don't let anything hold you from growth. Don't let anything hold you back from growth. And if somebody's agitating you because they keep trying to get you to grow, you need to thank God for that person. That person is an ally in your life. If you have a preacher that, that is pushing you to grow, you need to thank God for him because that's the requirement of the Christian life. And it's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. Thank you so much for joining. Um, what a privilege to get into the word of God. And um, when Jesus comes back, I don't want him to just see leaves. I want him to see fruit. I don't want him to just hear what I'm saying. I want him to see what I'm doing. Let's live this life. I love each of you. Let's stay Bible-centered. Love and appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.